This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 29. Grass isn't greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. With me today, Vernon Griffith, co-owner and head strength and conditioning coach at Virginia High Performance from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Vern, welcome to the show. How's it going, Scott, man? Appreciate you being on. Uh, you presented at the conference. We are, again, for some of the people who are listening in and have heard earlier episodes, we are at the Coaches Conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's been a really, really busy conference. Uh, how's it been for you? Uh, it's, I mean, it's been awesome. It's kind of cool seeing all the people that I see on social media and follow, and then I, I'm kind of nervous to talk to them because all I know is their bio picture, so we kind of glance at each other for a second. It's super <laughs> awkward, and uh, I've had a couple of them not recognize me, which is which is completely fine, <laughs> but uh, it's been fun to meet a lot of coaches that personally that I look up to, mentors yeah. that I've had distance-wise, just not geographically, and um it, it's almost like family. It's it's cool. Very cool. This is the first uh, coaches conference you've been to. First big kind of event like this, or yep. you've been to some others. This is the first NSCA conference I've been to. Cool. Period. All right. So, uh, what do you, what, from a first time uh, attendee perspective, what have you really liked about it? What are the thing kind of key takeaways that you got? Honestly, it's talking to the people. I mean, there's been some great speakers that I've learned a lot of things from, taking a lot of notes. But talking to everyone, just walking around um, at lunch and at dinner and just learning what everyone's really doing. Everyone, like, puts down their guard. It's yeah. kind of cool. It's everything you think it it uh, it is, it kind of is. No one's, like... I've heard stories of people trying to hold on to what they got and not being or being scared to share what they're doing. And I haven't come across that at all with anyone I've come in communication with. Everyone's just been like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Have you tried doing this? And it, it's been it's been awesome. Great. That's great to hear. No, I, I've had a similar experience even uh, when I got involved in NSCA uh, in the, a long time ago. But it was coming to the national conference and just having experience with meeting some of these um, longtime NSCA volunteers who just, you know, ta- took you aside or said, hey, you, sh- you should come to- out to this pub with us later or yep. you should meet us for dinner. Come to dinner with us. Yep. And then you're just with these people and talking shop and talking about what you do. Yeah, nobody was trying to, like... It's, it's, have some secret sauce and <laughs> it, it's weird everyone's so genuine and yeah. and i still can't get around the fact that none of these people like owe me anything right. and they're just so genuine and be like hey vernon come get lunch with us come talk with us let's go get coffee and i'm like yeah. why <laughs> i obviously can't give you anything right, right. like i'm you know and they're just so genuine and just wanting to help people it's fantastic it is cool it is cool and you um you're at a private uh, facility and you co-own that talk a little bit about how you got involved in that and what you guys do at Virginia High Performance we started Virginia High Performance about uh, actually a month ago or December three years ago so 2014 I think okay. um, the whole goal was to get into youth athletics to work with teams to truly change kids lives um, we're still doing that tremendously uh, constantly growing that definitely getting more and getting more into the military side as well now but uh i mean we're just always trying to 
be busier, look for the next thing, but, you know, change people's lives. We're very fortunate to be where we're at. It's kind of a hotbed for youth athletics, and there is a lot of military. So it's yeah. it's a good location. So yeah. I've got some great coaches there. Uh, Alex is there with me. He owns it as well. Uh, Danny and Tim and Hannah, they're great coaches. So yeah. we have a great staff. Yeah. And uh – did the private sector thing just kind of, was that the kind of opportunity that opened up and presented itself to you or did you think about doing collegiate or you know straight into working at a high school before that or how did that transpire? I, I thought I wanted to when I was in the military I wanted to get into the collegiate setting uh, I wanted to impact youth athletics or collegiate athletics I didn't even think there was a market for for high school or younger I'd, I guess I was naive I didn't know that much of that uh, demographic but um, as the more I was in college I was like maybe I don't like the college setting yeah. uh, I want to still have that uh, I don't want this to sound wrong but I want to be able to put my family first I want to be able to be in you know with my family uh, when I was in the military I had this moment I was at a retirement ceremony and a guy that I respected tremendously I mean he was an amazing 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 leader uh, wasn't really a mentor to me. I really didn't have one, but he was a great guy. And I remember at his retirement ceremony, everyone from his work was telling all these amazing things about him, like great leader, you know, great work ethic, this and that, They're just endless and endless. And then when it got time for him to, they give like flowers to their wife and their kids. He had, he, he didn't have anything to say. It was like all generic. He had no idea who his family was because he put his job first, which, you know, I'm very thankful. I, I myself was in the military. And I'm very thankful that there are people like that, that protecting our freedoms. But it, I, I don't ever want to have my family be second. And I thought the private facility would give me a better avenue to be able to still put my family first, even though there are busier times in the year than that's. That, that's that's why I, I like the private side. Cool, cool, very cool. Uh, no, that's a good point. And I think that the opportunities that this profession is, because it's blossoming and growing so much, you know, that an opportunity like that where you could decide to go into the private sector wasn't available, you know, 10 years ago. No. It just wasn't known about. Now no. it's le- now it's legitimate. Um, it's blowing up. Way to do the profession. Yeah. I've had numerous people tell me or come up to me and ask me about what we did and yeah. they're about to open their own place and yeah. I think it's awesome. You know, it's yeah. capitalism. It's people finding something they love and they're able to make money doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. It's cool. Uh, and you talk about being in the military. So you went to Air Force straight out of high school. Yep. Um, and again, we were talking before we started rolling here. I was in the Navy uh, after a couple years of college. Wasn't a great student at first. But uh, <laughs> what did you, what were some of the takeaways from being in the military? You know, and I know I think a lot of people listening to this might, you know, be getting into the strength and conditioning field from different career paths or switching careers. Yeah. What? What appealed to you about uh, going into exercise science or strength and conditioning coming out of the military and, you know, some of the things that you, some of the benefits that you got out of being in the military? Um, To me, the military set me up for life. I was in high school. I didn't really have someone to uh, show me the way, I guess you would say. I didn't have that person to mentor me and grab my hand when I needed it. So when I finished high school and I got hurt my senior year, I didn't have the best grades, partied a lot. That's just, I I didn't come from a place where we had these big goals and dreams of accomplishing things. So it was kind of 
that's what I had. All my other friends were going to college to play sports or for education. And I was like, what am I going to do? So I decided to join the military and it turned out to be the best choice I've ever, I, I ever could have made. It set me up for success. It set my family up for success. It put me, a young man, in a position to lead other individuals, which as a coach has helped me tremendously because I'm, I'm comfortable talking to people and, you know, in a, and I'm standing up in a crowd. I can communicate. I can, uh, yeah. I, I'm just comfortable in that environment because of the military, because they thrust you into a leadership role, yeah. even when you don't deserve it right. or expect it yep. or you're ready for it. Yeah. But that's just the nature of the beast. So yeah. it prepared me for this. And the reason I chose, I kind of feel like my, my path for just my life is just, it's not finding things that I want to do. It's messing up at something and then feeling like that's not right. And yeah. then figuring it out yeah. and then capitalizing off that. I, I went to, I did one deployment and I was, I was an overweight guy. I was pretty fat. I mean, I was in the Air Force, <laughs> I guess we did. <laughs> I mean, we don't have the best PT uh, reputation, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was young, married, and, you know, we didn't have much money, so it was nothing but pizza rolls and spaghetti, <laughs> hamburger helper. And uh, I went on one deployment, and I was like, I'm going to lose some weight. I didn't know nothing about exercising. And in four months, I lost... I think it was like 30 something pounds, wow. but I did it the wrong way. Yeah. I just did like pre-workout fat burners and like egg whites and uh, green beans. It was, oh or, and then half the time in the cafeteria, they didn't even have that stuff. So then we would, I would eat eggs and then like, then I wouldn't eat anything. I'd drink protein shakes. So I got back home and I looked like the machinist. I mean, I, <laughs> I looked, I, I, I mean, I had abs, I guess, <laughs> but I felt terrible. I felt so old, my yeah. joints hurt. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. So then that's when I started le reading into it, you know, watching videos, reading books, reading articles online. And I, and it started to fascinate me. And I was like, this is kind of what I want to do. Cool. And then that's, that's where it kind of stemmed from. That's awesome. No, that's super cool. I know I kind of got into lifting. I mean, that's when lifting became more serious for me was being in the military and the same thing. I went to college. I was a horrible student the first couple of years. And then I was, this is probably the only thing that I'll be able to get into at this point. Uh, yeah. and, but, um, people, you know, I think, we be like you becoming passionate about something and then getting interested in it. And like, even, even though all back then when I was in the Navy, all I knew about was like muscle and fitness and yep. uh, training, like a lot of people did just to look good and bodybuilding, not for athletic development. But I realized that I also played a lot of hoop at that time. And I know that there was a correlation between the weight training I was doing in my basketball game and so I was obviously like wow something there's something here and that was the first inclinations of it and then just training my friends and people who would then be asking me for advice about training programs yep. and stuff like that it's super cool um what advice would you have then for someone coming out of the that's getting out of the military and looking to go into the field um for one 
I've had this talk with many people of people trying to get out of the military. Uh, for some reason, you know, people are in the military. It's always the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. Grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. Yeah. So they're constantly, I hate the military. I hate this. I hate that it's structured. And it's constantly, like, you do realize that they take care of you so much. It's ridiculous. You might not like it sometimes, right. but they take care of you. And so I've had many people that I worked with that all got out. And they got out and they just expected it to be rainbows and butterflies. And then they get out and they're just like, this is the real world. Yeah. Oh, I got to pay, you know, a thousand bucks for health insurance. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know that it was a, that was a, a, a thing. Right. And it just completely blows their mind. So I think, uh, I mean, we can do better as that as a society is educating them on what's going on in the real world, of course. But um, being prepared for what's going on. I, uh, one of my favorite movies, and it's a movie probably no one's ever seen, is uh, Dan in Real Life. Steve Carell's in it, okay. and it's about a dad whose wife dies, and it's about him and his three daughters. And it's kind of this dry comedy. I really love Steve Carell, yeah. but it's this dry comedy thing. But it, he's a journalist, and at the end of the movie, he go, he's like reading his new column, and his column is, I guess this is towards kids, but the same thing goes for someone getting out of the military. It's, you know, we hope that our, you know, let's talk about plans and life plans and how we hope that our kids make good, healthy, safe plans of their own. But in fact, life is always changing. So instead of forcing our kids to make plans and pressuring them, how about we guide them and prepare them that their plans will change or plan mm-hmm. to change. Nice. And don't be scared to do that. I talk yeah. to so many kids now that are in college and they'll contact me or come see me. Like I had one girl that, sca- that scared me big time. I thought something was really wrong. <laughs> she called me at 11 o'clock at night and was like, Vernon, we need to talk. So I instantly was like, oh my God, this is bad. <laughs> and she was, and then it turned out to be, she just wanted to change her major, but she didn't know how to tell her parents. Oh, and I was like, I was like, you got to do what's best for you. Like, don't be scared. Just because you've had a plan this whole time, be okay to change. It's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. When you talk, to, you talk about that, like this girl calling you for advice, your athletes, your, your topic that you spoke on yesterday was impacting youth athletics. Tell us a little bit about um, what that session was about and what your really your key messages are, you know, along those lines. It comes back to, to me, it's so simple as be the coach when I, it's be the coach that I needed. So be the coach that you needed, however you want to word it. But I didn't have the coach. I didn't have this positive uh, mentor to guide me. So I know what it's like to be lost. So kind of my path and what I've learned is based off of what I what I've learned not to do, I guess. So impacting, it's so crazy that we have these kids at such a pivotal point in their life and we can teach them everything that we find valuable. We can make them stronger with a pencil in their hand or a textbook or, you know, anything, but we choose not to. We choose to just make them stronger with a bar in their hand. We're missing a huge opportunity to truly change someone's life. So it's creating that communication. To me, I think communication is is always number one. To me, that's back to the basics. Communication is always back to the basics. It's not bench and squat and deadlift. It's how we communicate. Uh, Kids don't communicate anymore. They're always on their phones. So finding ways to communicate with them through that medium. It's and then at the same time, we don't teach 
people how to communicate. Right. Um, it, what's the most fascinating thing that we that we have going on in the that's going on is how animals are not fascinating, but with a young infant, what's the first thing we're worried about is how they communicate. Yeah. How early do they communicate? Yeah, how many words do they know? <laughs> you know, and then they pressure me as a parent, like your kid only knows seven words, he's supposed to know twenty, and I'm just like, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm learning how to do this. I don't know how to parent. I'm just figuring it out. Or, or animals, how it's fascinating how whales communicate underwater and we have all these Instagram videos about it or every alien movie. I think that's my biggest one. (laughs) It's do we communicate with lights? Do we communicate with sign language or a mutual communication level? But we don't talk about how to communicate with each other. We don't learn about it. We don't learn techniques for it. And we expect young coaches to step in front of a group of 10 to 20 people and just do it. And then we get mad at them or, you know, give them negative feedback when they don't do it properly. And like, well, you never empowered them with the tools to be successful. So it's all about, it's so basic, but it's not fancy. So I'm pretty sure that's why no one talks about it. But to me, that's where it all stems. You can make a, you can make a great person a great coach not all the times can it be vice versa yeah when i assume you know you haven't always been a great communicator how how did you how did you get better at that how did you realize and then how did you realize man i actually am good at this and you know i'm passionate about it i need to be telling people about because i know your your uh you know a lot of your tweets and the stuff your social media stuff is about this topic as well so you know where'd you realize that man i'm one i need to get better i did get better and now i need to help people learn more about this i've learned so much from the kids that i work with and i say kids because kids can be anywhere from you know 11, 12 to 23, 24. We work mainly with high school, some collegiate, but um, it's I've learned from them. And I'm not afraid to say that I've learned more from my athletes than they've probably learned from me. And I'm constantly stealing things from them and taking things from them and experimenting with them. Like I'll try to, I'll say something this way or talk to them this way, or how do I communicate? Is it, there's some kids I don't text at all. I'll send Snapchat messages to, or I'll, you know, we, we have group me or it, there's, it's whatever is what's now. And that's a thing I think coaches get locked into is, is what they feel is comfortable, what they feel safe. And to me in the private sector, I have to adapt. I guess if, if you're the head strength and conditioning coach at Texas or Alabama or whatever, you can, you don't have to do any of that. You do whatever you want because you've kind of earned your spot. But to me, I'm always trying to find a new way to communicate because that's my, I mean, I want to be the best, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, pro, I, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, it, it's a long journey or whatever. And I would, right. I'm probably not going to get there, but that's my goal is always to be pushing that needle to, to be the best because, uh, I don't know, I, I just want to provide these kids with the best me. Yeah. That's interesting what you said about the Snapchat message or whatever, because I have a former intern who... Um, who has my phone number and could text me, but like uh, had been messaging through Snapchat. And that was like a, it was like, uh, you know, kind of back and forth. And I was like, oh, wow. Like this is, this is like the thing that they're utilizing to, instead of texting, like texting is so old school now. (laughs) It's old school. Or, I mean, when people ask me about Twitter or Snapchat, I just tell them straight up. The only reason I have Twitter is because 
of the football team I work with so I can see the offers and stuff they get so I can stay connected. And then it kind of turned into what it is now. The only reason I have Snapchat is my volleyball girls because I just had this aha moment with one of them was like, hey, coach, let's get a streak. And I was like, what? What is that? And then it turned into this thing, well, we have this streak. And then someone's, you know, comparing it. Well, well, me and coach have a 48-day streak. Or me and him have – and all it takes is for me to take a picture of the gym or wherever I'm at and send it. But communicating with them, they get so many group messages and text messages. I'll send out a group message and – it'll take me like an hour to get a response. If I send a Snapchat out, it's literally in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. So, But it's it's just adapting with the profession. Right, right. It's not. It's obviously clearly not going anywhere. It's not yeah. going away. No. So it's funny, you know, because I uh, <clears throat> have friends who I can tell get frustrated with it, right? And they'll be like... I'm done with social media and I'm going to delete all this stuff or like I'm, I'm going dark for a month. And I like, I, I get that. I understand you don't, you have to be able to disconnect. Yep. And like Andy talks about in the, in their book with, uh, Brian McKenzie, Andy Galpin unplugged, like you have to have periods of downtime, but I don't think you should get to the point where it like frustrates you. And I, I think you need to be able to step back enough and have your periods of being unplugged so yeah. that you don't get to that point where you're like, ah, social media. <laughs> but it's a tool, and yeah. I don't understand why more people don't use it, to be yeah. honest. It's yeah. it's no different than anything else. It's it's just a tool. Yeah. You can you can benefit from it. You can make money from it. You can yeah. network from it. You can do so many things, if, but if you choose not to do it, I mean, yeah. it, it's just missing on an opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what are some of the other things you talked about in your... Uh, session yesterday that people listening in might want to hear about. You had some really good topics in there. Um, I think, uh, what, what, was it? what did I talk about? I kind of had my notes on my iPad and I kind of lost where I was at. So then I just had to go with what I, what was on my mind. But um, Classic coaching move right yeah. there. Nice work. <laughs> um, just a couple things that I think is important. Um, finding the small things, like I always say, follow the breadcrumbs. Uh, kids are not, kids will not tell you, and I keep saying kids, but athletes are not going to tell you what's wrong right away. Yeah. So following the breadcrumbs is what I like to say. Um, I don't like the word good. Uh, it's a rule. I don't. No one uses the word good. Um, I got on my daughter about it a couple times, and then I was like, then I started realizing, I was like, man, all my athletes do that. Mm-hmm. But I'd pick her up from school and be like, hey, babe, how was your day? And she's like, good. <laughs> and I was <just> like, stop. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Aaron's, hey, how would you do today? What, how, how was your day? How was practice? Good. How was uh, how was your friend's sleepover? Good. And I just, oh, my, that word literally drives me nuts. Aaron, I don't have many pet peeves, yeah, and that's yeah. one of them. Yeah. So it's asking questions to open up dialogue. Okay. It's, uh, hey, what classes did you have today? Because from then, I can find out if it was a good day or a bad day, yeah. just based off that. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn today? Did you meet yeah. someone new? What's something funny you heard? Yeah. And that's something with my daughter. So, of course, my older athletes, I ask the same questions but just a little bit more approached at an, an older population you know what classes did you have today you know do you have tests you know what I like ask questions that I can ask another question I don't ever like to ask a question where it's just like they answer it and then we're just standing there like right. next topic yeah yeah, yeah ask yeah. another question and I, I had that moment when I started thinking about following the breadcrumbs 
Um, when we when we ask a question, you know, the better questions we ask, the better answers we get. Yeah, obviously. Like and it's it's the concept of kids and athletes are very, for the most part, you know, they're closed. They don't want to show their weaknesses. And sometimes what they show is their greatest strength shows to be their biggest weakness. They're just trying to cover it up the most. And so I have an athlete and they'll come in and uh, I can give the example yesterday of, I'm like, hey, what'd you eat today? And they're like, oh, well, I didn't eat today. And I'm just like, I could easily be like, from that point as a coach, a typical coach, just be like, what in the world? I've told you, you know, you're supposed to eat this foods, blah, blah, blah. But then I use that and I just guided towards the next path. And I said, well, you know, why didn't you eat? And then, of course, they're going to be like, well, I didn't have time, this or that. And they said, um, well, I lost my money. And I was like, well, how'd you lose your money? And they're like, well, it went under the it went under the vending machine. It rolled under and I couldn't get it out. And I said, well, why were you at the vending machine? Why weren't you in the cafeteria? Like, that's your yeah. food. And then they said, well, I, I didn't really want to be in the cafeteria after I kind of dug a little bit more. And, and I was like, well, why wouldn't you want to be in the cafeteria? Is it because your classes are on the other side? And they're like, no, I just you just started school and I really have no friends. Yeah. So that's that's the problem. Yeah. But if I wouldn't yeah. have asked those five or six more questions, yeah. I would have never found that out. Yeah. And from that point, now we have mutual dialogue to communicate on a daily basis. Because yeah. I can, hey, how are things going? Have you tried to meet new people? Yeah. What have yeah. you, what are how are you trying to meet new people? Yeah. So now I'm truly changing their their, their life. Yeah. But I w- only got there because I asked better questions. Yeah, that's great. That's a huge. I think that's a huge point uh, about asking questions and being able to have a better conversation um how about you guys have uh your facility you guys take interns in what kind of things are you looking for in the people that you guys mentor to become future coaches or get interested in the field number number one good person it's it's really quite simple if you're a good person we can give you the tools to make you a good coach. We can show you, of course, that comes on you a little bit as well to, to educate yourself and to learn and to practice on the platforms. But if you're a good person, we can make you or you can make yourself a good coach. If you are not a good person, it's going to be very hard to put you in front of athletes that trust us to succeed. You know, you have to be a good person. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to, you can't be stiff, but of course you're going to be nervous. Right. And uh, honestly, I, I like to have individuals that don't have much experience. Yeah. They haven't been tarnished with, this is the only right way. Yeah. Because I am a gray area coach. I don't think things are black and white. It's, you know, it depends. Everything depends. Everything depends. And you have to be an amoeba of change. And uh, I want athlete. I want coaches to have that mindset of, being fresh, trying to be innovative, but at the same time being innovative based off scientific principles that we've learned. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I like, I like a little bit of inexperience and just being a good person, but that's from the private sector. Sure. I th- it'll be a lot, it's a lot different in college setting, of course. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you always have to have a, you're not going to have people that aren't, most of us aren't going to want to be I mean you think about the amount of time you spend with your interns and co-workers and you know other professionals you're not going to want to be around people that aren't good people yeah you spend more you spend more time with people you work with than than your family yeah 
So if you don't, if you love your family and you spend less than you your coworkers, if you right. don't love your coworkers, <laughs> right. that's quite the that's quite the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, and you guys, uh, obviously, you know, you're a veteran. You're, you guys, your other owners are veterans. You guys do some TSAC stuff as yep. well, or tactical strength conditioning, with the facilitators course. Talk a little bit about. Um, talk a little bit about you know training tactical athletes maybe versus high school athletes and you know some of the uh, getting into the facilitator course how what, with what you guys do with that I mean the facilitators course is awesome I think the best part about that is every time I think we have it figured out we get a new group of 20 30 people and it's a completely different group so it's constantly you know teaching the same curriculum of course but changing that we've started you know integrating more questions of what people want what they're looking for and trying to make that course more suited for the the classroom that's there not just teaching the broad spectrum of what we're supposed to but delivering a better product but uh the type of people we've had come through that course is amazing i mean everything from a absolute beginner to people with phds Mm -hmm. and everything in the middle and we've had a lot of positive feedback we've had a lot of constructive criticism towards it but you know we've constantly growing it it's fun it's good we you know we're there all day together we we work out we do it's it's a good time we met a lot met a lot of people created a lot of relationships afterwards in which they've used the t-sec to become successful in their own jobs nice. so it's it's been very rewarding yeah and that area i think is clearly growing i mean the, oh yeah the from special forces to regular quote-unquote regular military the amount of um growth for and potential for coaches is becoming tremendous and and there often it's what i've learned from the military and we all we work with a lot of military outside of the tsac and we have a program where we bring um veterans and disabled veterans amputees and and we we work with them as well is they're not only are they overlooked and they're, they're heroes which is crazy but um it's most people think of training a military person or a tactical athlete it was just beat the heck out of them right. like we just run them into the ground that was a heck of a workout yeah. which with their tempo and what they got going on with their work and their injuries is it is not that it's you know they're athletes they're a tactical athlete and the second you look at a tactical military person fire department law or every cop everything else is an athlete you just look at the picture different because the second we say military training everyone just goes to that you know whatever that is whatever that concept of military training is no they're a tactical athlete and we approach we approach that training as if so it's the same gamut of recovery preparedness as a, as a normal athlete because they are yeah. you're a cop you're asked to sit in a car for four or five hours and then get out and sprint right that isn't that is an athlete yeah. no I, I started realizing that with kids that after practice or after school they'd be so tight when we'd have to practice right after school and then for one day I was just like it's because they're sitting <laughs> right. for seven hours yeah. yeah so of course they're tight yeah. and then then it was just like well, that makes the same sense for a police cop because yeah. he's sitting. So, of course, he's going to be tight. Yeah. So, if, 
you know, he is an athlete, and that's his athlete profile. What yeah. does he need? Yeah. And we address it in the needs analysis, everything than a normal athlete. Yeah, that's great. Oh, you guys have done a good job with it. Well, you got any events coming up uh, this in 2018 that you're hosting? I, our next TSAC is in March. March. We host okay. three a year. Three per year. Cool. Yep. All right. And people can look on the website to find out about those. Um, I think it's March. Interested. March 5th, I think. It's like the first week in March or something like okay. that. Four, cool. day, four days. Nice. And then you have the TSAC conference actually is coming up in April, I think. First week of April in Virginia Beach this year, too. Yep. Right so, in our backyard. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be presenting at that, too. Yeah. What's your topic going to be for that one? Um, unlocking the hips is what I went with. So okay. we're going to be talking a lot about hip mobility, being stable, and end ranges of motion. I'm, I'm very excited. To me, I think the hips are the – it's everything. They're everything. Yeah. And so we're gonna, it's a hands-on thing, so we're going to cool. get people on the ground. Hopefully, since it's like a mobility aspect, if people are wearing jeans, they'll still participate, and yeah. I won't have to worry about doing it by myself. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited. Cool. I, I love the topic, so go for it. Nice. Well, yeah, if you, get, if you can get them moving. Martin Rooney had a room full of people the other day uh, on his hands-on on Wednesday here. I don't know if you saw yeah, it. Yeah, it was impressive. Oh, yeah. There was like 100, 200 people in jeans. People yeah. were taking off their dress shoes. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I expect <laughs> the same from you at TSEC. Uh, no, of course. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. I'll be there. Um, cool, man. I have a few kind of go-to questions that people who listen into the podcast are, are used to hearing probably, and I forewarned you of a little bit. Uh, <laughs> First one, if you could have uh, dinner or conversation with any three people or up to three people, living, dead, or fictional characters, who would it be and why? Um, it, it, I think I always give the worst answer on this <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not the biggest history buff. So it's, I guess it's people that I truly value their opinion. Um, for one, if this is a trick question, it's always my family. Okay. <laughs> I can't put anyone above my family, but um, I really admire what Michael Gervais is doing. Nice. I, yeah. I, I really do. And, uh, I listen to his podcast a lot to get uh, to get better at doing this, hopefully. I don't know if I'm better or not. I might not. Oh, no, you're getting, you're getting <laughs> good, man. I, I look up to you tremendously. And uh, then people that bring me happiness it's trying to find i'm i'm constantly trying to find more things that don't have anything to do with strength conditioning and find more friends that don't want to talk about working out at all they want to talk about shoes and music and stuff that's what i'm trying to get more into that so you know steve carell i i i I love that dude i I hope he's not a big jerk if i ever meet him in person (laughs) but uh i i People like that, that, that's, I guess that's who I would say. Nice. I like that a lot. I like it. Um, how about if you could eliminate any coaching practice? Uh, is there something that you just like wish that no coaches would ever do with their athletes or with other coaches? I, my, I think one of my biggest things and uh, is probably stop discrediting other coaches to gain your own clout. Uh, I heard, a, I mean, it's, it's actually a Casey Musgrave song. She said, your grass doesn't get greener by peeing on someone else's grass. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just feel like there's too much of that. And I'm not sure if it's because there's just so much competition. Right. But I noticed it one time when I saw a video of someone performing an exercise. And um, I work with a lot of uh, disabled veterans. Uh, some I have some Paralympic uh, athletes. Yeah. And 
you don't understand what that athlete has done or how far they've come. So someone will post a squat and half the videos I post are because my athletes are like, hey, can you post a video of me? Yeah. Or because they want to, they feel like they're proud of that moment. Yeah. So maybe their squat isn't perfect, right. but that's, that is a huge improvement for them. Yeah. So coaches will just be like, oh, that's terrible form. That's this and that. Like, do you not understand that this person could not even do that? Yeah. It is a huge accomplishment. And yeah. instead of asking those questions, we just instantly use that moment to just discredit them. Yeah. When, in fact, we could, you could learn a little bit about that person. You could grow as a professional because yeah. it's, don't be so quick to discredit others. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. How about if you were in an entirely different career path? I stole this one from Coach McKeefer. He used to, uh, he used to ask this, but what what would you be doing if you weren't? Uh, strength coach right now I am completely fascinated with anything outer space 100% my wife got me a telescope for Christmas and I I I can't remember the last time dead serious that I got so excited for a present (laughs) I mean even as a kid we didn't have much so we didn't have big presents so I don't ever have that moment of getting like something crazy that some people have and that moment like it was, I opened it and I felt like a kid when I got that telescope. And then that night it was overcast, so I couldn't even <laughs> freaking see anything. <laughs> but uh, anything outer space, uh, whether it's you know, an astronomer, I, I like to think that I could be an astronaut, I don't know. But anything with the, with the Astros. Cool. I like it. Um, so this is a bonus question. I just made it up, but actually, oh, I sat in on <laughs> I sat in on part of your presentation. No, so no. I know I know I have faith in you. But this is a question we ask all of our uh, interns when we're interviewing them, and we we stump people like it earth Thanks. it earth shatters them. It wrecks the. We had to move this question from the middle of the interview to the end because it was stumping. It was ruining the interview. But don't don't build any pressure around <laughs> this question. <laughs> I have faith in you. Uh, can can you tell us a joke today? A joke. Um, I tried to take a picture of the fog, but I missed it. <laughs> yes, I knew it. I knew you had the go-to. Yeah. You've got to have a terrible joke. It breaks the ice. Even if it's a, even if no one laughs, right. it's so uncomfortable yeah. that it breeds comfort. I can't describe it. Yeah. I've said jokes to older people, and they're just like, Vernon, that was terrible. But but now we're talking. Right, now we have right. now we have a connection. Yeah, I'm a terrible joke teller, but now we're talking. Now I got you to open up to me. It's huge, man. It's huge. Nope. I knew. I had faith in you. I have I have faith. Um, I know this is uh, another plug that uh, we might get off on a tangent, but uh, if people are listening to this and they want to get in touch with you, uh, how do, how's the best way to reach you? Um, they, they can email me at vernon at virginiahighperformance.com. Uh, find me on Twitter or Instagram at vernon griffith, the number four. Um, I mean, reach out to me. I, I want to help. I'm lucky enough to have other people that help me out for no reason. I mean, they have no reason to help me. I don't work for them. I'm, I'm probably never going to work for them. So any advice or help that I can give to anyone, I mean, reach out. Yeah. And I've, I've said that joke around with you a lot about you're getting more retweets and likes and I have followers <laughs> and stuff. But like, <laughs> I think uh, social media is a huge way that you've really engaged a lot of people, you yeah. know, and been able to build your network. And like you said, you're, you've ran into some people at this event that you look up to and you're 
or your mentors and um, you know you never would have probably been out met those people if it hadn't been for social media I mean I still think it's amazing that people can relate to what I put into 140 character or whatever whatever it right. is now right. but that people can relate to that and I'm just like man I'm not alone yeah. and then other coaches are like that's exactly what I was thinking I'm like and then I always say well why didn't you say it right <laughs> why didn't you say it are yeah. you scared to say it yeah. are you nervous because you know I, I used to be the same way but I've tried to become more confident and I guess it's just become because more people have been like you're right I thought the same thing so it's empowered me yeah. to say it again say yeah. something else say yeah. something else yeah. No, it's cool, man. I I love your I love your Twitter game. Keep it up. Keep it up. No pressure. There you go. The, the, the now you really have to do the something. Twitter sphere is complicated. I'm looking forward to the tweet you put out of us doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll put all those contact info in your in the show notes. Uh, look forward to people being able to reach out to you and you know see this presentation that you did on the NSCA website when we make it available for the member for our. Uh, for our member content and get it uh, out to everybody. Thanks again for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. Dude, and thank you, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.